you know, like they did great gimmicks, but like who just said, a lot of the set was just running around and it was like, you do two counts and then move two counts and then move. But you have to show we have to be able to see that you can do actual Pangra on the spot and everyone can look like a team. This is the Pangra Podcast. What's up, y'all? We are back with our last episode of 2021, and fittingly enough, we finally get to talk about actual Bhangra being performed rather than having to talk about everything else outside of the actual dancing. It's been like two years. Good word. Today, we are talking with the judges of Bhangra in the Berg 2021. We're going to talk to them about who they individually placed, how they ended up deciding on the final placing, and everything else around the judging. Also, I just want to shout out Berg for giving us a press pass during the competition. Little, it let us record little moments backstage after performances, little interviews with the dancers, and recording tech time, stuff like that. I also want to shout out to judges for being so open during this episode. And we got one little extra surprise I'll announce at the end of this episode, so stick around until the very end. Anyways, thank y'all for checking out this episode. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we're going to be posting more video content along with a video form of this podcast. Alright, anyways, let's get to it. Fancy. Uh-huh. Um, so let's just go over a quick like introduction for everybody. Can everybody go ahead and uh, introduce themselves? We'll start with Simran. Hey everyone, my name's Simran. Um, I'm from Toronto, Ontario. Been doing Pungra for the last 14 years now. Um, just getting into judging. Excited to see, you know, what the future brings. Awesome, uh, Pooja. Sure. Hey everybody, I'm Pooja. I've been dancing since I was six years old. I'm classically trained, but I've been a service captain back while I was in school. And um, most recently, I've been dancing and competing with Forge up in Boston. Um, Nana? Well, everyone on the podcast knows who I am. Uh, I am Nana, and I'm usually on the other side of the microphone here. Um, but today, I'm here as a guest. I've been dancing since 2014 um, for a whole bunch of teams based in New York City. And yeah, excited to be here today as a guest for this panel. Awesome. And Quintal, want to finish it up? Sure. Hey, guys. It's Quintal. I've uh, been on the circuit forever, uh, since 2008. Um, also one of the co-founders of uh, Carolina Indian Arts Dance Academy and uh, Championships at Bangada. So uh, excited to be here. Excited to give you guys some you know, inside look into what goes on in the judging room. So looking forward to it. All right. Yeah. So... Um... Let's go. I'm gonna go. I know people have to leave by two, so we'll uh, just jump right into this. Um, the first thing I just want to ask you guys, and just kind of to set the scene, uh, the last time there was a big competition was March of 2019. So coming back, obviously this wasn't the first competition back, but with the names of the teams that are coming and the first big in-person comp, what was your overall impression? How did you guys feel coming back to actually come and watch a Bangladesh competition? I think for myself, it was very, very refreshing because over the last two years, we've pretty much just been seeing online teams. Um, it's 
a better experience. You can judge a lot better. There's more chemistry between teams. Of course, it was hard to know what to expect with teams because you didn't know, you know, over COVID, not a lot of teams were, um, they weren't active, but it was refreshing to see new ideas, um, current ideas being incorporated and such. Yeah, I would agree. Um, to be completely honest, I think I was expecting more from this lineup since we had some pretty big name teams at this competition. But, you know, given that we've all had a couple years without in-person comps, it's definitely harder now uh, since training new dancers, holding practices has undoubtedly been tricky for teams. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really nice and uh, refreshing to see dancing back in person. Um, I was having FOMO the entire time because I wanted to be dancing up on stage too. Yeah, I think for myself, um, on the one hand, I think just like personally, it felt really good to be back at a comp. Like it's been a really long time. And I think just being in the same room as a bunch of like dancers, people that are, you know, our peers, people we know. Um, I think it was like, just like emotionally a really nice moment to see a bunch of people that you know, we know and care about doing something that they love and care about. Um, I think from like a judging perspective, I definitely was really curious to know if I think there's been a lot of talk over the last year or two about like, hey, what will it look like when everyone comes back? How will sets have changed? Are people's like set design methods going to have changed because of the pandemic and those, you know, restrictions that's put on everybody? So it was really cool to see like how many of those predictions came true and how many of them didn't. Um, but yeah, I think it was a good feeling overall to be to be back at a competition and to see what everyone's done in that time. For sure, yeah, it, it was obviously enjoyable, um, and it, what was also really special was I didn't expect there to be a lot of ticket sales. Um, you know, just people being concerned about being in a crowd and whatnot. But uh, whatever the Berg Committee did was awesome because I think they sold like over a thousand tickets or twelve hundred tickets or something like that. So having uh, you know one us getting to witness these teams um, perform live again, but on top of that being back in an environment where everyone's cheering each other on. It was just really special to be there. Um, yeah, and in terms of, you know, what teams brought, you know, it was going to be weird and it's everyone's been wondering what it's going to be like, um, you know, with passing off to the next generation of captains or um, collegiate teams trying to figure out how to do this from scratch pretty much. Um, but the one thing I think that we said from the get-go, even in our first judges call with the teams was, uh, you've had two years to kind of come up with, you know, creative moves and choreo and ideas. Uh, so we hope you hash those ideas out and figure out a way to present them in a way that blows us away. Um, I will echo Pooja in the sense that we weren't really that blown away, uh, but everyone was pretty dang good for, you know, having a year and a half off or whatever it was. So uh, that was very special. Awesome. And just to touch back on what Quinto, uh, you and Pooja both said, uh, were you guys overall like satisfied or dissatisfied with what you saw or what, what the comp experience was? I would say I was definitely satisfied. I mean, you know, we're, we're all here because we love Florida. Like, this is, this is what we do. And it's just, you know, it's a blessing to be part of it. So I would say in that sense, um, I think we're all pretty grateful that we're still still able to do this. Um, but in terms of like the competitive sense, I'm 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 hoping to see more in the next um, upcoming competitions. 
Yeah, that, I felt like that was how I kind of tailored a lot of my discussion with teams after the comp was where do you go from here and how do you actually get yourselves back to where you used to be or, or just push the, you know, push the level of your team to the next tier. Um, and that was basically how I framed every conversation and then in, in the hopes of uh, next semester's comps, you know, actually blowing people away. Uh, so hopefully, you know, this was just a stepping stone to get back into um, as competitive as the circuit was before the pandemic. I think it definitely also, if you look at Bird's past, one of the things that was surprising to me along the lines of what Ujan Kuntal are highlighting is that I feel like in years past, it's always been, you know, like the, the Berg lineup is always really strong. And not to say that the lineup was not strong this year at all. It totally was. But in the past, you get a lot of Bergs where there's like a cluster of teams at the top where everyone has their own opinion about like who really could have taken first, second or third, right? And, you know, that's obviously like indicative of the strength of the teams that Berg brings every year. Um, and like as a panel, when we were judging uh, this past competition, it didn't feel like there was that cluster of teams where it was like really hard to see who was going to edge each other out. Um, teams did well overall, but it's it was still like, there was still a deficit between like the top few teams and then there was like a drop and just like that skill level of like the next few teams and there was drops so the next few teams. So it wasn't as um, the skill level and like execution and creativity of the teams was not clustered around like the same level the way I feel like it has been in Berg's past. Yeah, I agree in the sense that every team did bring a good performance, but there wasn't at that competition level, it was very clear cut out, um, kind of first, second, third, and then so forth. I think going forward, it's maybe this was just kind of teams getting back into it, trying to figure out how they're going to be meeting during the pandemic, um, kind of feeling out the circuit, what everyone is looking forward to. But going forth, I do want to see a little bit more... Um, kind of all the teams at the same level, in a sense, and more deliberation, for sure. All right, great. Um, so, speaking of, like, I guess, the lineup and what the teams brought themselves, um, and you guys obviously took notes throughout the competition, can we get, like, a high-level breakdown of what you saw from different teams? Like, things like gimmicks, wow factors, what was memorable? Like, just kind of break that, break that down at a high level. Sure, I can take this one. Um, you know, to be completely honest, this was the easiest judges deliberation meeting <laughs> I've ever been in. Uh, I've judged a lot of comps and I've never had a deliberation that took three minutes and this one did. Um, it was a uh, clear one, clear two, and like a 90 second discussion kind of about three, but not really. Um, so, you know, placings wise, we, we were all on the same page and that was nice, but it, it just kind of emphasizes the fact that it, that it wasn't no one brought anything that, you know, made us question uh, or, you know, made our different backgrounds have a conversation about what was going on. So uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, and I also thought it was awesome that we didn't have to you know, have that discussion and uh, potential argument about any placings, um, especially knowing, uh, you know, the last three Bergs that I've been a part of, it's it has been that experience. So. Um, it, it was definitely different. Um, getting into the teams, though, um, you know, first class won first. Um, and I think right after they performed, Sumit and I looked at each other and we were like, 
they're just so smart and know how to do this rubric and know how to work this stage. Um, basically everything they did, you know, segment to segment, they just knew how to capitalize on uh, whatever memorable thing they were trying to do in every single segment. Nothing like blew us away about it, but it was just really, really good. Um, and their timing was very well done. So, you know, like the, the way they build up to their effects, it happens in a way that the first time you watch it, you appreciate it. Um, I'll let some of these other guys get into more set specific stuff, but I, I just thought I'd mention that with uh, first class and, and, you know, the first place team. Mm -hmm. I think for me, another thing that was really nice was they were hitting their jumps. They were hitting their gimmicks. Like it made sense when they would do anything, even if it was super subtle. So like to get into very specifics, they played black and yellow. They had a black and yellow Jordy come to the front. Very subtle, but the crowd understood it. Judges understood it. And it's just little moments like that that just build up your set to become a first place set. As Kunto also said, they studied the rubric. They knew where their major points were. They knew where, you know, we don't need to focus too much here because this is what the big winner is. Um, other teams, they did have really, really good sets, but I feel like it was kind of, if they had good formations, they would lack on execution. If they had good sync, they would lack on formations. Um, a lot of teams, what we repeatedly said was, what was memorable about your set? What was the one part in each segment that you wanted us to remember? And as a team, you should be able to tell the judges that, especially on a panel of five. Uh, you expect a lot more deliberation. We all come from very, very different backgrounds. So it's kind of just like making sure that you're well-rounded as opposed to just one strong set. Um, teams had really, really strong dancers as well. They would have... You know, like Frithila did the heartbeat thing in the start. Uh, they had a nice vibe tumor, but then it was like, sometimes there's a few segments that don't have that same buildup. Yeah, I would say that looking at the sets overall, really both first class and first they had the most consistent uh, segment to segment, like central idea that was like an important thing you're supposed to get. I wouldn't say that it was like either first they or first class's best sets ever. Um, but I think that those two teams did the best in terms of having something in every single segment um, and, you know, selling their set really well. I do not think that, like, Parish, their scores, if you look at the way we scored them, their, you know, execution and sync kind of fell a little bit short. But we all felt like they were really creative and they were, you know, like, really selling their set. Um, so I would say that those two teams did the best in terms of every segment having something like Simran's saying. Um, that's not to say that other teams didn't also have really standout segments, but that was kind of exactly where they fell short, where they had like one or two really standout incredible segments, and then the rest of the set didn't necessarily live up to that standard that they themselves had set for, you know, the forms that they were doing that night. So, you know, Mob had a jumper that all of us, we watched that and we all just had like the best time watching them dance their jumper. Um, we didn't feel that way the entire set which would have been really nice and kind of, you know, we hope that Mob and the next time they go to a competition, the care that they put in designing that segment, the way that they dance it is what they bring to the rest of their design now because we know they can do it. We just need to see that done throughout. So that's just one example, but I think that was a theme that all of us picked up on and that was also thematic in the feedback that we gave the entire time. Definitely, definitely. I could echo that as well. Um, there was a lot of strong dancing from teams, but it came down to like 
the consistency and, and keeping everyone engaged um, by like having dynamic pacing in your set, um, you know, making sure you're hitting every section of the rubric, like Kunthal was, was saying. I did want to mention, so I actually really liked uh, Cornell's set. Um, they tried some different things with their set and uh, some of them hit, some of them didn't, but what matters is that they tried to be bold. Um, like dancer maturity, execution are definitely the biggest areas of improvement, but I think they're on the right track. And I loved seeing kind of that um, go get it attitude for them. Even in the judges meeting, like it makes me excited to, to see what they're going to bring in the future. All right. Yeah. Um, and I guess just one thing I got, I want to touch on or kind of go over is that um, a lot of people will like everybody, all the viewers will have their own opinion on who should have placed, but I don't think they understand what they're being, what the teams are being judged off of because every comp has a different rubric. So can you guys just break down this rubric and how it like how the placing applies to that rubric, who, who got first and why they got first according to the rubric? Sure, I can take this one. Um, so the there's three overall umbrellas of you know categories in this rubric. First one being set design, and within set design, there's creativity, choreography, design and formations. Sorry, difficulty of choreography, design and formations, and then cohesion. How does all that work together, kind of thing? Um, so that's a total of what was that forty five points, I think. Um, and then there's two execution umbrellas. So one is dancer execution. Uh, that's talking about form and stage presence. And then there's set execution, you know, as a team, how did you execute the set? Uh, so sync and um, executing your formations and team energy. Um, so those are the main buckets of, you know, of the rubric there. Um, so if you're talking about, you know, comparing design versus execution, um, 45 was set design, 30 was dancer execution, 30 was set execution. So a total of 60 for execution. So you weren't going to win this comp without, you know, having practiced a lot and, you know, executing at a high level. Uh, but on top of that, there there is, you know, 15 points for creativity of choreography, um, which is where there was a kind of a big spread. Um, you know, in, in terms of uh, how the team stacked up and why it, you know, ended up working out the way it does, you know, you always got to remember that this is an average of five people's numbers that go into it. And it's not just like arbitrarily picking or anything like that. But uh, for this night, first class won every single one of the categories on the rubric, except for one, and that was form. Um, so, you know, it, it's very easy to see how they won this rubric if they literally won every single category. Um, after that first day, Fertile or, or, you know, RVD and Mob were all kind of mixed depending on which category we're talking about. Um, for example, like RVD was the top score in form on the night. Uh, but we're one, two, three, four, fifth in fourth in set design. Um, you know, so when you have that kind of spread category to category, it's not going to help you get that um, total score that gets you the placing. Um, so again, just goes back to how FCB was smart about how they checked off pretty much every single box mm -hmm. on the rubric and it added up to enough for them to, to be the clear winner of that night. Um, I just want to say something that like, for people who might be listening who like have not judged before, I think this is something people forget is one, as judges who are there for the competition, like we get one look at what's happening as it's happening. 
And so a lot of times, and like this is something that I used to do, right, when I was like a younger dancer and didn't really understand how like judging a rubrics work, and we would like watch the videos when they came out afterwards. Like it looks very different and you're watching at a very different pace in a very different environment. And you can also like rewind, right? So like the perspective that you have as a judge watching is very different from what other people have. And then also mm. judging against a rubric, um, if you're doing a good job of judging, you're evaluating just against that rubric, not necessarily what you like. So the way that we, as a panel, place these teams, like we all had very, very, very similar scores. We do not have very similar backgrounds, nor do we have very similar personal tastes, right? But we all had the same scores. So I think, you know, it's important to remember that who we think places is not always indicative of like who we like best or who we think we had the most fun watching. Like all of those things have their place on a rubric, like having fun watching someone figures under, you know, not current stage presence. But it's important to remember that like, everyone has their own opinions about what they like, but part of, you know, the job of judging is to match that against a rubric and make sure that that's, you know, represented properly in the scores. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to remember that like these rubrics, for each comp are created by the judges on the panel. Teams are given these rubrics months in advance. So they know exactly what it is we're looking for. Same as Nana said, I could love a team, but that doesn't mean that with this comp, they would win. Maybe a different comp, it would be a first place set. But um, also just remembering, like, you can have great set design, but if your execution isn't there, you're not selling that choreography. You're not showing us the true potential of your set. Um, first class being the first place team, first they're being the second place team. They had, you know, strong set design, which is 35 points. They had good execution. They had, um, good team execution, set execution, form, maybe not as the top form of the night, but it was still there. They were still able to show us exactly what it was that they wanted to show. Um, so I think that's another thing when you're trying to win a comp. Just remembering that judges are watching everything as a whole. It's not just like, we have a great set, so we're going to win. Yeah, and I think um, something that's shifted in the circuit, which is great, is that these rubrics are getting more organized in ways that make sense. One, for judges to, to score right away, but two, to communicate that uh, to teams. And, and, you know, on top of that, maybe also uh, doesn't allow as much for uh, judging preferences or judges' preferences to play a part in who wins that night. And, you know, uh, when you have a good rubric, it, it's going to work out in the way you want it to work out. And what whatever the vision of that comp was, gonna, you know, was um, laid out to us uh, from the committee is, is going to show up uh, at the end of the day in, in the scores if the rubric was constructed to match that vision. All right, so we know that first place, what placings were what? First, if, no, first, if second, first class first, and for delay third, correct? Um, what was the difference between first and second place? Like, why Why did first class get first? You, you said they, like, scored high, and they got the highest score in every category. Um, but what could have, what could have, like, first day have done better to take that first place away? 
Yeah, I can take a crack at this one. Um, and this is my perspective, judges, please add if you can think of anything else. But from even from our discussions, like, um, first day was very pleasurable to watch. Good stage presence, um, solid set. But there just weren't memorable drops, especially in their um, prop segments. Um, they built cool moments, cool small moments, but um, they could have hammered them harder. They had good use of stage, but sometimes it felt like they were, um, you know, not hitting all the formations or like they were just um, moving around a bit too much and not letting their formations and their ideas be digestible. Um, so in those ways, FCB had a leg up. Um, and it goes back to what Glenda was saying in terms of FCB just did like one or two points better in every single category. And that's what, what um, put them at the top. I think also, um, first they had a really good set. I can't say I didn't enjoy it. You know, like they did great gimmicks, but like Pooja said, a lot of the set was just running around. And it was like, you do <clears throat> two counts and then move, two counts and then move. But you have to show we have to be able to see that you can do actual pangra on the spot and everyone can look like a team. Another thing for myself was there were very, very small mistakes that first they had. You know, they had two dancers that almost fell on stage. Um, legs showing on the mall. That's like, of course, it doesn't dock a whole lot of points. But when you put it into perspective and you look at the little, little mistakes that add up, it, you know, and you're comparing to a team that won first place that had very, very minimal mistakes, it's it's not so much of a deliberation. Um, and then another thing I would say is they had really good dancers, but then there are some dancers that can still match up to different levels. Um, some dancers stick out a little bit more than others. Of course, that's dancer maturity. It's just experience, but just making sure everyone looks alike, no one's standing out. Yeah, um, and, and just to give some context, you know, they were three and a half points back or three points or so back on the night, I think. Um, and that's across an entire 115 point rubric. So we're not talking about like a giant spread here, uh, but it was enough for there, there not to be a conversation about, um, you know, whether or not first they deserve first. Yeah, like they said that, that there were two falls, you know, a Miss Berke here, um, on top of that, you know, they, I told them in the meetings that they, I didn't feel like they researched the Berg stage and what hits well formationally on the Berg stage well. Um, and that took away from some of their moments. So, you know, the, the combination of all those things just gave FCB enough padding to, you know, not even be, for it not to be a conversation where we're, we're thinking about yeah, switching those two. three points on the whole, right? But like, if you look at the averages, they're, almost a full point behind FCB just on design of formations, right? So we've, we all say, we've been saying how like we feel like their formations could have been better, right? And it's reflected in that score there where like that really could have, you know, they really could have closed the gap there. And then, you know, at a three point, maybe you're down to like just two points, right? And just you do a little bit better in every single category. They're like pretty much the second place team behind uh, first class in the majority of the categories. You know, Quintal highlighted some of the other discrepancies earlier, but you know, just a little bit better in everything really could have, really could have pushed them up. The biggest uh, spread that FCB made with Frisch, they, 
is is you know going back to those three buckets of score uh, categories in set design alone you know fcb was up over two points you know that that's most of the the spread right there um you know just in those in that 35 point category out of 115 there's a two point spread already so it it just you know it echoes everything we're saying that they didn't quite make their set work for for berg And so, as you guys are saying, first place and second place, kind of clear cut based off the scores and the spread. Um, third place, you said there was, that was where the main debate was, though it was like 90 seconds, but like, what was, what was the debate there? Like, why, how many teams were like competing for third place right there? So I think uh, four judges, no, three judges had for Thiele in third, just from numbers. Mm-hmm. Um and there were two other teams that we kind of talked about. RVD was in the, the running and Mob was in the running. Uh, so those were the three teams that we kind of discussed for uh, third place. Um, Mob, we just you know didn't feel like had enough for us to consider stepping outside of the rubric and considering them for third. Um, RVD is an interesting situation. Um, like I said, they had the top form score of the night, uh, but you know they had an unfortunate situation where they had a dancer leave the stage. Um, and that dancer leaving stage was a distraction. And, um, you know, when you think about it in terms of, oh, just one dancer left the stage, was probably a deduction. It maybe makes sense that there may be more in the conversation. But when you think about, about it in terms of what a judge has to do and uh, putting that to numbers on, on the sheet, you know, if someone's leaving stage, you're, ta- you're losing points in sync, you're losing points in stage presence, you're losing points in formation execution, you're losing points in the energy. So you're losing just, even if it's a decimal in each of those things or a point in each of those things, that's enough basically to take you out of the running. Um, so I, Nana, I think I'll, I'm gonna throw this to you because you, you kind of, I think you had them in third. So I want you to have a chance to yeah, so, uh, maybe talk about that. I, I had them in third, but again, like as soon as we stepped into deliberations, like it, it wasn't, it wasn't a third I felt so strongly about that I was like, oh no, it makes sense to give it to them over for Thiele, right? So I think my scores were for Thiele and um, RBD were close enough that it, it made sense. Um, I would say that, you know, I, I definitely agree with everything Gundel just said about, you know, their form being really excellent. Um, and then, you know, the dancer leaving stage, you know, having the repercussions that it did. Um, I think it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, look at it on the whole picture when, their form is so excellent at the same time there were like you said earlier there were certain segments that were like so much fun to watch and there were certain segments where i think we all kind of started to like lose our concentration a little bit which is not something you want happening <laughs> as judges so um i think you know it it makes sense when you look at the context of the rubric where there was more points allocated towards um execution and that there were like you know creativity and so if rbd set is execution wise um, you know, a little bit better than it is creatively, then, like, I guess, you know, that's the way the points worked out, the way I scored them. But, you know, when you look at it on the whole and you look at, you know, how Fordilly did versus how RBD did, my scores were not far enough apart that I felt like RBD was a clear third. And especially, you know, as a panel, it felt like we were all on the same page about what we'd seen that night. And it made sense to, in that deliberation to award for Dilly the third place. They had done well enough in both in my eyes and in the other judges eyes to deserve that third. 
And of course, yeah, and, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, just one thing, just to shine some light on what Nana's saying about their set. Um, you know, I'm looking at the numbers out of 45 points in set design, and RVD scored bare, just, like just over 30, like 30.6 out of 45. So they left 15 points on the table in, in just the set they created for this rubric. Uh, it's hard to overcome that many points that you didn't, you know, achieve on that rubric. So just something worth mentioning. Sorry, Simran, go ahead. And that's what I was, I was going to kind of mention. Like, it's, of course, the main thing that everyone thinks about as an audience is okay they had a green dancer leave but that's not to say if the green dancer stayed that they would have won third there's a lot of other discrepancies in the set they had a shikha lock right in the first like 10 seconds you know there's a lot of i feel like their set was really tight in terms of spacing some formations would be off um you know there would be energy discrepancies where the middle is completely killing it and everyone on the side is just walking the set so it's not to say that they would have won third, but maybe um, they might have been in the conversation. But in comparison, set to set, Frithila just came on stage a lot stronger. They knew the stage, they knew the comp, they knew the rubric. Frithila had some minor mistakes as well, but I don't think it was enough where it could have been a conversation where RVD would have placed over Frithila at this comp at least. Yeah, I agree with everything that's been said so far. So I was the one that had actually had Mob and Fortile tied for third in terms of points. Um, but when it comes down to when it came down to deliberations, like we all agreed, like Mob's set just felt a bit monotonous, and their stage presence could have been better. That's where Fortile kind of took the leg up over them, um, at least for me. Uh, and um, in terms of why Fortile placed third as opposed to further up, I would say uh, this this rubric was execution heavy, and that's kind of where they took um, more of a backseat compared to first and second. All right. Um, so, like, moving forward with, you know, the comp season, what – what is your takeaway from this competition and what do you want to see going forward for, for like teams that are listening to this right now that are applying to different competitions? We know March is full of a bunch of them right now. What do you want teams to take away from this? Um, I think for myself, I want teams to bring new things to the table. A lot of things that have been presented is recycled material from like 2012 to 2018. And that like Bangla yeah. was huge back in 2012 where teams would come out and they would bring out sets where you would sit there and think how did they even think of that and we're not getting a I, lot of that anymore and I think it's really yeah. uh, funny I just wanted to bring this up because yeah um I I just judged one a competition at Atlanta and I asked one of the teams I was like who is your they, a lot of the teams, a lot of these young teams are like taking ideas, but not realizing they're how yeah how old they're, like where they're from. I was just, like asked the question. I was like, what where like how far back do you watch videos from? And they said 2017, and that was kind of heartbreaking. I was like, yo, yeah, like Bangra had its prime back in like 2012 yeah. to 14, whatever that era was, and it's like I kind of want to see it come back where now we as judges who have been in the circuit where crazy things are happening we can say, wow, like, this is great, you know? And of course, still preserving 
proper pungra, being able to keep the form. No, this is when I need to hit my morde. This is when I need to do this. Um, not just doing pungra for the sake of doing pungra. You have to be able to showcase yeah, think, what actual pungra is. I think, uh, you know, the effect we're talking about is, is the Instagram effect, right? The TikTok effect. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about how teams are all kind of, you know, it, it's it's what looks good on, on social media versus what looks good on stage and as a team. And uh, those don't always go hand in hand. Um, I like the fact that the, you know, the social media side of it is pushing people to, you know, try and be unique with their choreo and stuff. But at the same time, it just ends up being people ripping each other's choreo. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of time on our hands and we've had a lot of time. And, and I, I hope to see more, um, more of an identity from each team. Um, you know, like figuring out who you are as a team, what kind of moments you want to sell. Obviously, we don't want the same flavor of moments over and over and over. Uh, in your set, but you know it should be obvious what you want us to think of your team when 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 we're watching you, um, and what vibe you want to you know to have as a team. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. Just you know trying to figure out you know after all this time off who you are as a team, um, and then just to piggyback that being smart like first class was at this comp and knowing how to work that rubric, study the rubric so hard and make sure that every segment lines up with the rubric, so that you can get credit for your ideas. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to teams um, kind of honing into that identity aspect as well and really emoting um, and making the audience feel uh, something, you know. Make everyone have fun, watch you dance. That's, That's what the art of it is. And I really hope that teams do more of that. And, um, one thing I did want to mention is that we talked about this as a panel as well. Uh, the importance of your mix cannot be stressed enough. Um, so I'd really encourage teams to focus on that. Make sure your mix is probably EQ'd and that it's not um, so bass heavy. And maybe Nana, you're more fit to to talk about this, but we just we noticed that a few of the teams like they were so bass heavy that we couldn't really hear the vocals and the intricacies of their mix. And so that um, kind of diminished their sets a little bit. Yeah, that's a conversation that Nana have all the time, right? Like with teams, it's like, look, what you make isn't made to, for your mix, isn't made for you to listen to in your car. You can make a car version if you want, but you need to make sure you understand how to um, EQ the levels, clear out the mids, Make sure the vocals are high enough so that all these things actually work when you have a giant hall, giant speakers. Um, and obviously there's people like Nana, there's people all, like all these people on the circuit that uh, are here to help those of you who maybe don't know how to do that kind of stuff. So I, I hope that people reach out to um, those who do know how to do that and, and get that help. Whether we're talking about a mix or we're talking about yeah, how to I design mean, the, for a certain stage. The mix stage. conversation, we can definitely, like, that, that's a longer conversation. That's not just about Berg. Um, it's, it's a, that's just like a knowledge gap that things out there. It's really cool to see that there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of mixes at Berg, actually, that were done by, like, newer mixers, which is actually really incredible to see. I actually feel like there's been a, there's been a drop-off in terms of new talent being, you know, injected there. But, um, 
the downside of that is that there is still a learning curve. I'm not a big comp like Berg um, on a huge stage, on a huge sound system like that. You can uh, run into issues. But um, I would say that another thing that I noticed was, um, is someone playing horn music in the back? <laughs> Am I the only person who hears that? Okay. That's just me. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> the other thing that I noticed, like, you know, over the course of the performances at Berg that is indicative of maybe like a trend is that I think there were like pretty consistent pacing issues um, across a bunch of different sets, which is something that came up in a lot of our comments. Um, I would say this is another aspect of like this TikTok Instagram effect. Um, it's, it's really tempting when you have like one minute video on Instagram, right? To make it like as high impact as possible. So it's like breakneck speed, chock full of ideas for a minute straight. That doesn't work when you have an eight minute set. Um, and so I think we saw a lot of like really, really uh, jam packed segments followed by segments that were like kind of empty in terms of hard hitting ideas followed by a segment that was like really jam full again. And so Pacing was something that I think I struggled to see a good job of on the, uh, in the sets at Berg. Um, and I really hope that that's something that people understand that like constructing a set for a stage that is competitive and that is supposed to be like someone was alluding to earlier, like demonstrating an understanding of Bunga as a whole, as like an art form. That's not what goes into making Instagram videos. Um, it is definitely drawing on similar skills, but it's not the same. Um, and so it's important to be able to prioritize ideas, be able to construct segments in a way that encourage, you know, your viewer to appreciate the flow, to follow the, your ideas all the way through. Um, the flip side of that, that, you know, Pooja mentioned earlier is we saw some teams throw some really like crazy stuff out. You know, Cornell had some ideas that were super risky. FCB had ideas that were risky, even further down our placings, like Tartan also had ideas that were risky, but like they all were trying interesting stuff. I think there were probably like three or four teams that had Jomar songs that just all of us were like, what is happening? Like they were just unexpected, right? And so it was cool to at least see that like people are trying new stuff and hopefully that moves us away from some of the saturation of ideas and the recycling phase that we were talking about earlier. But I think the future is bright. I think it was a really strong start, all things considered, to the season. Um, Berg's such a high caliber competition so you know starting starting with a high caliber comp and a high caliber set of teams I think it sets a really good bar for you know the first season back in a long time alright um, like just to finish this up thank you guys thank you everybody for tuning or hopping on this call and sharing your thoughts um, we'll hopefully have this out very soon, um, and we'll get working on that ASAP. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks for listening to another episode of the Bangra Podcast. And now for the little announcement I have in store for y'all. So next week we'll be dropping the entire raw, unedited judges' deliberation conversation. So, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to get it as soon as it comes out. Much love. See you next week.